Welcome everybody to the Touchdown Wire Wild Card. Oh, excuse me, Super Wild Card Weekend preview. We're doing that. I like. Well, we're mandated. Contractually obligated. Contractually mandated by the league. You're telling us what <sighs> we say and what we can't say. So. Super Wild Card Weekend. Uh, yeah. So Super Wild Card Weekend coming up. Happy Sedition Friday. Um, good lord. I'm, I'm, yep. I'm not even going to go there. Uh, speaking of sedition, let's talk about Deshaun Watson for a second, because what the entire hell, Mark? I don't you, know. You've been, you've been Deshaun's like primary stand all year, so I'm just going to let you go. I'm heartbroken by this for so many reasons, because we've been screaming all season long to help Deshaun, and it seems that Houston's plan to help Deshaun has been has been to ignore him, um, and to, to ignore ice him out. For yeah. God's sake. What? I mean... You should have had Eric Bieniemy on your interview list to begin with. I like that. <clears throat> like I know I, I'm, I'm physically in pain right now. Um, you should have had Bieniemy on your interview list to begin with. The fact that you needed your quarterback to recommend him is mind blowing, and then to apparently not even take that into consideration is beyond. Well, um, you just don't want the inmates running the asylum. Right, which apparently is the the plan that they're going to stick to. This and is infuriating. Skip a generation. No, um, and a couple of days ago, when Deshaun tweeted out the like sort of cryptic, you know, nothing ever changes, man. A lot of people tried to read into that, like, oh, maybe he was talking about the situation in Wisconsin with James Blake. Is that it? Come down the same day, but it's apparent that maybe not. Maybe he really was talking about Houston. Maybe he really was talking about the situation. We recorded this on Friday morning. He's following Chicago area meteorologists. I mean, we've yammered an entire season about how the Bears have screwed up their quarterback position for generations. That would certainly fix it overnight. But this is a top five, top three, top two quarterback um, to, to sort of ice him out like this, to potentially let him walk, to be in a situation where he might force a trade is mind blowing, mind blowing. I don't get, I don't understand it at all. This is such a hard position to figure out. You have it figured out. Don't screw it up. Tell the story about Stafford and the coaches that the Lions were looking because I didn't know this. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm hearing some rumblings from from people who cover the Lions that um, everybody that's sort of come in to interview for that head coaching job has basically said Stafford or I don't or, or I'm not coming. Like because they're talking about getting rid of. Yeah, him. yeah. Because there's a thought that they might move on from Matt Stafford, you know, cap reasons, things like that. And everybody that's coming in said, no, you'd be crazy to do that. You'd be insane to do that. And it speaks to the fact that quarterback is job one. You get that right, everything else can follow from it. Like it's very hard to win with a bad quarterback glances in the general direction of the Los Angeles Rams. And so teams that are attractive jobs right now are the ones that have the quarterback in place. Houston, I'd say Detroit. I'd say the Los Angeles Chargers. Like, yes, we expect Trevor Lawrence to be great, so that's why Jacksonville's job might be attractive. You expect the Jets pick number two might figure it out. But there's some uncertainty. You said this before we started recording about Lawrence. Like, everyone expects him to be great. I never, ever. I mean, I I go back to 2012 when the Seahawks uh, took Russell Wilson in the third round and the Jaguars took a punter before that, Brian Anger, St. Anger, as I call him. Uh, I, I, I... Talked to Wilson in his rookie mini camp, and I said, "You know, you ran West Coast passing and two back uh, West Coast passing at NC State, two back power at Wisconsin. You come to a team that at that time was running West Coast offense and two back power because they had Marshawn and Michael Robinson." And Wilson laughed and said, "Yeah, it's basically the same terminology. The playbook is like, oh yeah, I've seen this all before. If he goes to Jacksonville, we don't even know who Russell Wilson is. So yeah, Trevor Lawrence is a whatever blah 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 talent. Sure, generational. Okay, maybe." Uh, I, I never, there are so many things that go, you know, this, there's so many things that go into the development of a successful quarterback, both on the quarterback side and on the team side until I see that match. I never assume ever. Right. You, you, you can't. And you know, that's why, like I, you know, those jobs might be attractive, but there's uncertainty there. You know what you're getting in Watson, you know what you're getting what you have in Justin Herbert, you know what you have in Matthew Stafford. You could fix the other stuff around those guys. You might draft Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, but he doesn't mesh with the offensive coordinator that's there or the other pieces don't fall into place and you're back in three years. It could happen. So yeah, I mean, this, what, if his off, what if his OC is Jay Gruden and Jay, stop all that darn running. Right. Like, yeah. 
I don't know. This Watson thing is depressing. It's it was depressing when you saw him walk off the field with JJ Watt and Watts apologizing. And I don't know who tweeted it. It might have been you who said something to the effect of if they let if Watson gets traded, you're going to have to hold JJ Watt back. Like you were going to have to. He wasted a lot of JJ Watt seasons too. So he, yeah, and I'm sure Watt realizes that. So it, it, you hope that Houston can get it right. That's a tremendous fan base. Zach used to be guy, by the way. Littlefinger, come on. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, many uh, many not, columns not, have been I'm written. I'm not going to get into the content of the video I saw yesterday, where he was talking about the greatest athletic performance he's ever seen. Just, yeah. um, wow! It, it's not the craziest thing I've seen all week because it's a very high bar, but it's close. Yeah, it's very close. <sighs> okay. Um. So yeah, I'm. I'm just going to say one thing here, real quick. Uh, it, Things are really bad right now. Um, it, it's been everyone's focus, you know, we, whatever side you're on. Um, and we're just going to talk about football for an hour or so because it, you know, makes us happy. And when things are bad, you should do things that make you happy. So um, we're all aware we're not trying to uh, shine it on and pretend it isn't happening. We're just going in a different direction. So there you go. Um, so super wild card weekend Colts at bills and Mark and I did a, I'm really, I'm proud of this and I'm really proud of the work that Mark did, especially, uh, we did a hub of all 22 pieces, uh, like all the teams in the wild card round, all 12 teams and how they can all advance to the divisional round. And Mark did the AFC, I did the NFC. So we're starting with Colts at bills first game. So, Mark, I'm going to lean on you here because you've watched a lot more Colts and Bills tape in the last week than I have because I've been over in NFC land. Uh, you had three pieces on this game. I want to start with uh, Mills against the Bills. Explain yourself. Mills against the Bills. Um, trying to find routes, route concepts, coverages that the Bills had sort of had struggles with this year and, and diving into some of their tapes, seeing that they'd given up, I believe, 32 passing plays of 20 yards or more where the ball was thrown, you know, 20 yards downfield or something like that. So I'm trying to strip out like screens and slants that get broken and things like that and see where the concept actually played a role. And you're seeing a lot of cover three, cover four instances where the Bills are giving up big plays. And what I think cover three, when I think cover four, when I think route concepts that are designed to specifically beat those designs, I think of Mills, which Mills, pin, whatever you want to call it, post route, dig route underneath it. It gets cover three. You're really trying to isolate that post safety, free safety in the middle of the field. If he drives down on the dig, you throw the post over his head. If he stays deep on the post, you throw the dig in front of him. I mean, it's a pretty simple. I mean, look, I ran it in college. How hard could it be? Gets cover four, though. It almost works the same way. Um, again, perfect time to mention the Matt Bowen coverage pieces over at Bleacher Report that he wrote years ago that are still Bleacher, like that's Rosetta the- Stone type articles for me, for everybody. Not um, surprising when you consider, you know, Matt is now an NFL matchup and he is the man. Right, exactly. Cover four, post in, it, it's, it's a perfect way to beat it. You have the outside receiver on the post, inside receiver on the dig. Once that inside receiver gets to a depth of about 10 yards, he has to be responsible. For, the safety has to be responsible for him, so he's going to take the dig. Now you've got the post working against the outside leverage defender. So I think that's a way to beat both cover three, cover four. They've run it, the Colts have, this year with success. I've highlighted examples against cover three and cover four. I tried to find an example of the Bills giving up a big play against Mills closest I could find was Dino, which is double post, which is similar. Um, they gave up a big play against cover four um, against the Arizona Cardinals where the inside safety has to take the inside post. And now same thing outside post outside leverage defender in the corner. It's a nice little read and throw from Kyler Murray and he hit it. Um, so I think that has to be part of the game plan. Um, can rivers hit those? That's a question. Well, just saying the for what is the what is the concept where they're running double post to one side and the deep over to the other? Because the Bills run that better than any other team in the NFL. Yeah, I I know there's a name for it. I mean, it, it's kind of a Dino Yankee hybrid. They just um, hear you, Yankee. What they just yeah. you with it. And yeah. here's Rivers' deep passing stats this year: twenty-five and fifty-four. Pro football focus, 735 yards, five touchdowns, five interceptions. One of those touchdowns came in against the Texans where they decided to put a linebacker on T.Y. Hilton. So, right. Um, not great, Bob. No, not great. 
So, I mean, if Rivers can hit on some of these throws, it will help. But, I mean, that's the Rivers part's a question mark. Obviously, Tredavious White, you know, if there's a guy that could still run with an outside, you know, as an outside leverage corner against the post route, Trey White's near the top of that list. And so he could probably take these things away. And let's not forget the Bills have perhaps the best safety tandem in the game right now. You know, they're not going to bite on a lot of eye candy. So if you run Mills at Poyer or Hyde in a single coverage situation, they'll give you that dig. They'll take away that post route. And now Rivers is trying to attack the middle of the field between linebackers. And so I think that's the way they can do it. Yeah, Tredavious White got healthy about halfway through the season. Bills have gone from 15th in pass defense DVOA to 6th in the second half. Yeah. Um, So Trey White, good. Now, run defense, Buffalo's gone from 20th to 11th. It's still kind of a problem. Uh, this could easily be a Jonathan Taylor game for a couple of reasons. Number one, that's the, I, I've talked about the Bills as maybe the team without a discernible, like, fatal flaw. Um, Levi Wallace, Josh Allen under pressure in the run defense are three dings that could be more than dings. Um, and you can discuss, like, Okay, if you give the Jonathan Taylor the ball 40 times, you keep Josh Allen off the field. How effective is that? Well, it's not like it's like keeping Patrick Mahomes off the field. You give him five minutes, he's gonna wax your ass for three touchdowns. Not that Josh Allen is Patrick Mahomes, but that offense, the way it's designed right now, they can do that too. So if I'm Frank Reich, I'm thinking I'm just gonna load it up. Naheem Hines, Jonathan, whoever, whoever is behind Phillip Rivers with you know the RB designation, that might be my guy. Yeah. And I mean, if the Patriots ran for 130 yards against this team a couple of weeks ago in a game yeah. that they got blown out in, I mean, th- there's a way to run the ball against the Buffalo Bills. Um, you mix in the runs, some quick passing, some play action, some shot plays, maybe Mills off of play action. You could put something together against them. You talked about, uh, you wrote another, uh, uh, excuse me, English is a second language. You wrote another article on how the Colts can settle Josh Allen with too high coverage. Uh, speaking of good safeties, Colts are uh, run too high, whether it's cover one or cover three or quarters, uh, at one of the highest rates in the league. They're very good at it. And what did you dis- discern and discover about Josh Allen against too high in general? Yeah, and... <laughs> You know, it's a pick your poison kind of thing because we know traditionally Eberflus has been a too high cover two guy. Um, you know, so by the way, turned down uh, he turned down the Houston interview. <laughs> so what does that tell you? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it, it's kind of a like I said, it's kind of a pick your poison thing because they've actually run more single high this year. They've been pretty good at it, um, which I found, but. Allen's been good with basically everything. I mean, I think the main thing with Allen is you don't want to run man coverage. He has an NFL passer rate of 126 against man coverage. And it's worth mentioning that there were three sort of arcs to Allen's season. There was the early in the season when he just ripped man coverage to bits, and then there was that kind of two or three game stretch where all of a sudden it was a lot of zone, late coverage switches, and his head kind of exploded. Everyone has a plan until they get hit. You do this to young quarterbacks. Titans did it to Lamar. Uh, in last year's playoffs. They're not going to do it this time, which we'll get to in a minute. But um, And then Brian Dable, their offensive coordinator, is going to be a head coach in about five minutes, said, okay, zone, coverage switches, you can't handle this yet. Everything dunk underneath, take the easy stuff. And over time, that and I, I've said this on the podcast, I think, last week, that scheme doesn't create velocity, but it can reveal it. And once Josh Allen got comfortable against zone coverages, all of a sudden the velocity came back. The pinpoint throws came back. He became a better anticipation and timing thrower. And that's kind of where he is now. So there are kind of three developmental arcs to the way Josh Allen has come along. And boy, Dable, I mean, if I'm Brian Dable, I go into a facility and my interview is uh, I took Josh Allen from A to Z. Yeah. And yeah, I think I, that's right. My response would probably be, well, okay, you're hired. Yeah. Um, you know, back to Allen, sort of numbers-wise, 25 touchdowns, no interception. I mean, two interceptions against cover zero, cover one, cover two man this year. I mean, that's that's absurd. So, like you said, that was sort of the start of the year. Like, you go back to his first game against Miami where he's throwing darts on these crossing routes against man coverage, and it's like, well, probably can't do that anymore. 
so teams tried the man stuff. It worked. I mean, the zone stuff, it worked for a while. Then he sort of started to figure that out, as you just outlined. I, I think the thing with cover two against Allen, there are no easy choices to be made against him and this Bills team right now. No. I, I think with two high looks, with the ability to sort of spin one of those safeties down so it becomes a one high look, but you're robbing those crossers to take those away and constrict those throwing lanes. Like, I think that's something that you have to do. I think some of the two high stuff you want to do because with Brown back with Davis, like they've got speed. Even if, you know, Beasley's dinged up a bit, you know, Diggs is dinged up a bit, um, but you still that's have a, those. That's a questionable at this point. Beasley with a knee, Diggs yeah. with a bleed. But still, cover two, like you have that sort of safety help over the top. It gives you some flexibility. I mean, I think the main thing is whatever you're doing, you can't just show it. Like you really have to try and confuse him the best you can because if he knows exactly what you're getting. Perfect example. Two weeks ago, that game against the New England Patriots, they showed single high, spun it to an inverted two. Yep. That touchdown on the crosser to Diggs where they're high, low, and Devin McCourty basically because he comes down into that sort of intermediate runner, and he's trying to get over the top of him. McCourty doesn't bite, so he says, okay, I'm just going to throw the crosser underneath you. Touchdown. Mm -hmm. Like When you're asking Josh Allen to play the cat and mouse game with Devin McCourty in week 16 of an NFL season because you trust him to do that, you have gone to places people did not expect as a coach, as a team, as a quarterback. And that's what we're seeing right now. Well, I'll go back to, I mean, he threw three touchdowns to Diggs um, against the Patriots. I'll go to, oh God, I hate when I draw blanks on players. The rookie safety for the Patriots, Kyle Duggar. Yeah. So this was a touchdown to Lee Smith. It was like a four yarder. And Dan Orlovsky broke this down and I, I kind of went back and looked at it and made some of my own observations. Um, this, he brought, uh, Allen brought digs in motion from deep to sort of, you know, H back level and was motioning to digs like, okay, you're going to block the run. So Allen showed run play to Duggar on the front side. Duggar then, uh, did a run fit called the Adrian Phillips veteran safety, who is in his first, was in his first year with new England after playing a ton of zone with the chargers. And so they're doing a run fit the whole time. You can see Adrian Phillips taking one step forward and he sees that the Patriots or the Bills offensive line is dropping back. And he's like, oh, crap. Took the cheese and now I'm going to pay for it. And they ran uh, dual crossers inside. And so Allen had wide ass open to Diggs on the right side, wide ass open to uh, Lee Smith, who's a blocking tight end built like a Ford Bronco who's caught like two passes. So now it's, it's not just, and this is this can be said of the best quarterback. So I think between what you're saying, and what I'm saying, we can. It, Josh Allen's up there. That's it yeah. because he has checked all the boxes. Not only is it you can't, and we say this about Mahomes all the time, right? If you're going to beat him, you can't show him the same thing over and over. Um, we say that of Rodgers. We say that Wilson, whoever Breeze, all the best quarterbacks. So now there's Josh Allen. Boom. Justin Herbert is real close. Um, my biggest draft miss ever. And then you get Allen to the point where he can take what, because I guarantee you, if that's one McCordy on one side, one McCordy on the other, they're not doing that. Dave told Allen, okay, this is the fake run to the outlet pass with the, with the kind of mesh crossers over the middle, but you got to wait until you get a Humpty on the front and a Humpty on the back. That's not to impugn the intelligence of either of those safeties. It's just, they, they took the cheese. Yep. So when you have a quarterback who can not only just on his own discern the coverage and go, but then take the advanced stuff and do it. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you'd expect from Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees, that, that yeah. level of intelligence to fool again, a Bill Belichick defense. Yeah. I mean, he, he carved them up. I mean, it was kind of like the statement game of Josh Allen's season, his career so far. It was just like, look now, I don't know what you do. I mean, I don't know what you do with this guy now. Um, that freaking guy, as you call him. That freaking guy. Like, That's he's reached that the, He's reached that tier. I mean, it's the God tier of quarterbacks where it's like, you know, Mahomes, Rodgers, Wilson, Brady, and, you know, Watson, Allen. I mean, yeah. guys that are just like – even Jackson, too, where it's just like, you know, you can scheme stuff up. And I know we're going to talk about Lamar Jackson a little bit, um, but sometimes there's just nothing you can do. Yeah. Like, you could have everybody in the right spot. You could have every gap fit. You could have every man covered. 
and he's scoring somehow. Yep. One note I made about the Bills, Diggs is not replaceable. If he can't go or if he's limited, that he's not that skill set is not replaceable on that team. Um, you know, they've got good receivers and all, but you know, John Brown is a nice receiver, but he's not Diggs. There's a reason they gave him a, you know, a, a first round pick for him. But if Beasley can't go, what are they going to do in the slot? Uh, I want to bring a name up, Isaiah McKenzie. He has five uh-huh. touchdown catches this season. All five are from the slot. And you watch him, especially in the red zone, he understands scramble rules. When the play breaks down or Allen does one of his impossible, like, run 20 yards to one side and throw leak to the other side 40 yards downfield in a five-yard compressed space, and like that, he's the only guy in the NFL who can make that damn throw. Well, McKenzie has a really good sense of, okay, we're breaking off, so now i got to do this. And he's got that, you know, he's, he's more athletic than Beasley. I think it's faster than Beasley. You can get downfield more. But he's also got a really good sense of how to get open quickly and in an angular sense against zone or man. So if Beasley can't go, their slot position is not hopeless. McKenzie, you could argue, has been more productive. So that's a guy to watch. Yeah, I mean – in terms of, I always talk about, like to talk about, like what to watch, like during a game, like where your eyes should be. Um, Super Bowl uh, Fifty Three, for example, I said, don't watch the quarterbacks, watch the offensive defensive line, Donald versus that line. When the Bills have the football, watch the slot because you'll see Kenny Moore too. Yep, and you're gonna that see a, a, yeah, Kenny Moore is a badass, a very good slot defender. So whether it's Beasley, whether it's Isaiah McKenzie, like that's gonna be a fun matchup to watch. Um, because a lot of what the Bills like to do. Yeah. The Bills also are the most explosive team out of empty in the NFL. Yeah. So they're going to try to spread you out. Yep. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, anything else to say on that game? I don't think so. I mean, I, I do think Buffalo is the better team in this one. Um, but well, I I just, you know, it's going to be a shootout and not to impugn rivers. who I think we'll, go to the hall of fame at some point, but they're kind of bringing a, you know, knife to a gunfight. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Rams at Seahawks. Uh, this is, a, I did a couple things on this. The narrative is that the Seahawks can't do anything against Jalen Ramsey. The numbers bear that out. The numbers bear that out against yeah. Seattle in weeks, 10 and 16 Ramsey gave up two catches on five targets for 16 yards, 16 yards after the catch, no touchdowns, one pass deflection. Seahawks didn't just, Fail to have an answer for Ramsey. If you look at the stats, they admitted as much by refusing to target him as if Ramsey were Deion Sanders in his prime. Interesting. Now the Rams run, they run uh, cover six, which is quarter, quarter, half. They run combo, which is, uh, you know, they've got, they've got good defensive backs all over the place, but they'll run, you know, zone to one side and Ramsey just manning up or matching up whoever on the other side. So you go and watch the tape of those two games. There have been opportunities. And really the missed opportunities for DK Metcalf, I would put more on Russell Wilson, who in the last month or so has not played really well. And and this is a problem against what's probably the best defense in this playoff group. Um, If you motion Metcalf away from Ramsey, Ramsey isn't going to follow a lot. And I want to ask you if I'm right about this because you've played quarterback and I haven't, but you're playing quarter, quarter, half or combo and you, and, and, and Metcalf motions across the field. Ramsey can't follow him because it screws up everyone else's coverage. Is that kind of, yeah. I mean, if you're cut, I mean, that's one of the main sort of man's own indicators. Like if it looks to be man, the guy goes across and he can't follow because if he does, quarter quarter half becomes what exactly so uh, the titans yeah so i mean you'll know that you're in zone coverage i mean the only and you know there are some coverage schemes where you could you know have meg man everywhere he goes on the back side but it would still throw everything off if you know ramsey's supposed to be megged up on metcalf and then suddenly metcalf goes in motion if he follows him like it's still tougher to sort of run the conceptual construct of your defense when suddenly the supposed to be, you know, backside guy running man everywhere he goes. And then you have everything zoned out to the other side is now front side. Like you'd still have to try to spin that if you're going to stay in that same coverage. Otherwise you have to check out of it. So yeah, you're right. He actually done some interesting motions to kind of exploit that. They had one, um, it was one of the, is a deep incompletion to, Metcalf and it was a Wilson. I, I, I put that on Wilson that particular play, but it was Metcalf and uh, 
the tight end ran sort of a mesh motion and Ramsey stayed. And all of a sudden he wasn't on DK Metcalf. He was on Tyler Lockett and Lockett is not a good matchup for Ramsey because like most larger cornerbacks, and I'm not, this isn't to slam on Ramsey. Richard Sherman has always had trouble with these kinds of receivers, smaller, more route conscious guys who can just, wax you on an angle julian edelman in in super bowl 49 beat the daylights out of seattle's cornerbacks this way um so if you if you do that motion and all of a sudden uh you know darius Williams, great player maybe the most underrated cornerback in the nfl but he's a worse matchup for metcalf than ramsey is and certainly if you have lockett against ramsey that's advantage seattle now i i, I don't think the Seahawks have done enough motion to exploit that particular, you know, if, if you're reading, you know, I think there should be a, a hot audible. If you're reading cover six or combo, I think you start doing crazy shit with motions right away because that does present a disadvantage for the Rams defense. Yeah. And the other thing, yeah, go ahead. I mean, the interesting thing is so much of what they've done this year is based out of those two high looks because they're daring you to run the football. Does Schottenheimer, we've used the phrase take the cheese a lot already, but does he take the cheese there and sort of play into that? Well, during during Brian Schottenheimer to run the ball is like daring me to drink coffee or play guitar or listen to, you know, the live. I'm already doing it, guys. Right. Um, Yeah. The other thing, and they've run a couple of comebacks and curls with Metcalf. I don't know why they haven't done it more uh, curls and comebacks this season per sports info solutions. Ramsey's a lot 11 catches on 17 targets for 93 yards, about a quarter of his total yards allowed this season. And again, I was talking to Dan Orlovsky yesterday about like what's wrong with Seattle's passing game. And he put it in an interesting way. He said, there are times when Wilson is in sync and one receiver isn't there are times when Wilson's Wilson is in sync and both receivers aren't. There are times when one receiver is and Wilson isn't like Metcalf is or Metcalf and Lockett are and Wilson isn't. They just, it's like the three of them can't quite get it all together. And that that's kind of what you see on tape. Um, as I said, a lot of these missed opportunities against Ramsey for Metcalf are they're on Wilson. And that sounds crazy to say, but that's kind of where they are right now. Yeah. Um, and this isn't the kind of defense to sort of get right against. No. You're not going to get those timing issues down against this defense, particularly when, you know, we haven't mentioned the world destroyer yet in Aaron Donald, who is still a very good defensive player um, who will pose some problems for you. Now, Wilson could obviously escape and get away and things like that, but I don't know. This is this is an interesting game. And the Rams are less static with their defensive fronts. Not like – they don't need to scheme up a bunch of crazy stuff, but no. widen out and then stunt inside. Yeah. And that that's hard to deal with when, you know, one guy is Aaron Donald and one guy is Leonard Floyd, who we're not talking about Leonard Floyd much. I've been talking about him for like half a season because he's ridiculous. That dude is going to make himself 40 million guaranteed in the new league year. Um, yeah. So there you go with that. So Mark, to your credit, you did what most people did not have the the temerity to do. You went back, <laughs> watched watch AAF tape, and he made it clear to me that he's more willing and able to take take deep shots than than Jared Goff is. There's a backdoor fade he completed to Cam Akers against the Cardinals, and it's virtually the same concept Goff overthrew on a backdoor fade to Akers against the Jets. Uh, the their penultimate offensive play in that loss. Walford can work out of pressure as a legitimate runner, not a, you know, movement and throw, but as a runner, he like, he himself had as many rushing yards as all the Rams running backs against Arizona. So you can do that in ways Goff can. I wrote the all 22 piece with uh, Cam DeSilva of Rams wire, our sister site, and both Cam and I stumped for Sean McVay to start Walford, whether Goff is healthy or not. And, you know, what that says about the guy you just gave $110 million to is a separate story. But, you know, now it's losing your out. So if it's me, I mean, tell me I'm wrong. Walford's my guy. And no, I, and, and this isn't Kurt Warner and Trent Green. Walford isn't that guy either. But I think for now, he's the guy. And I don't care about Jared Goff's thumb. What I've seen of Goff this year when he was healthy, forget it. Yeah, I, I, I think you start John Walford and – 
I think he gives you a better chance to win right now. I think he's a more complete quarterback right now. I think he's a better quarterback for this offense. Ted Wynn over at the Athletic had a great piece this week about sort of the Shanahan McVay offense and how it's like very quarterback friendly. But this year you're seeing what that offense looks like, not with a league average quarterback like Goff, but Aaron Rodgers in, in Green Bay. And so that's a fascinating piece. But you have a better quarterback running that offense now with John Walford. You have a quarterback that's willing to take those shot plays downfield and hit on those. And, you know, that was one of the things I noticed watching him, you know, when I was watching AAF film. Like, he's not afraid to take those shots downfield. When, when you do that, it opens up so much of the rest of the playbook, the play action and the run stuff you want to do. So I think he's the better for quarterback for them right now, for sure. And when we say he's not afraid to take shots downfield, he missed a couple. And yeah. The Seattle's defense in the second half of the season, big turnaround. It, it, the Cardinals do not present this level of challenge. So we could be saying, hey, start Walford. He goes in and throws five picks and it's all over. Um, I, I still, based on what I've seen of Jared Goff healthy, I, I'm not convinced. I just, I don't, I didn't see it when they re-signed him. I don't see it now. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, and we'll, we'll see if, you know, they do end up starting him or not. I do think it's a smarter play. Um, and he may take those shot plays and like you said, throw five picks, but it doesn't mean it was the wrong call. I mean, results and process and all that stuff. I think he gives you sitting here on Friday morning, the better shot to win. They are. Uh, you remember when, uh, <laughs> Oh God, it, Sean McVay tried to make Blake Bortles, Taysom Hill, like bring him in for those like three run package plays and golf or Bortles lost like a hundred yards. It was bad. Yeah. Um, Walford's a different guy. So there are elements to the QB run game. I think McVay has always had kind of had in his quiver with golf, he, you know, there's so much he doesn't see in time to make those, you know, quick judgments. Now I run. Um, the fact that Walford can see it, it's kind of damning to Goff. It is. I mean, he's Goff's been propped up by the scheme for so long. And, you know, he was the sort of model of get a young quarterback, scheme him up, build around him. And then he has to take the trade wheels off and he'll figure it out. Well, the training wheels came off and Sean McVay realized that the kid's going to crash into the, you know, everything down the street as he's going along. So you got to put those training wheels, wheels back on. Now he has a quarterback that maybe you don't need the training wheels for. Or it's a situation where you like cheat them up a bit. So they're off the ground, but they're still like bumpers in case the kid starts to f- slide over. So yeah, it's a huge indictment of golf. It's a huge indictment of, you know, the quarterback that he is and the quarterback that he failed to become. It's time to get weird. Goff's dead cap in 2021, 65.2 million. Goff's dead cap in 2022, 30.9 million. Goff's dead cap in 2023, 8.6. They're they're chained to him through at least 2021. Yeah. If he doesn't improve, it's kind of the 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 discussion we were having about Jimmy Garoppolo last year, and now the Niners are out of that particular hell, and they can do whatever they want. But I don't know, man. That that's a bad resign. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah, it's it's that was a questionable decision when they made it, and it looks more questionable now. Um, I will also say that Russell Wilson had better figure it out against this defense because that that could be where Seattle that will be that will be where Seattle loses the game if they lose it. Yeah. Buccaneers at Washington. Uh, Mark, I know you're the uh, the predominant the uh, the ultimate Tom Brady scholar of our era. A uh, couple of things I noticed. Buccaneers are settled into their perfect offensive archetype. Took a long time, but they finally did it. Arians and Brady, chocolate peanut butter, boom. Uh, it's heavy play action, far more motion. It's like, thank God. 12 personnel, a lot of 12 personnel with 12 and play action since week 13. Brady has completed 12 of 20 passes for 239 yards, 108 air yards, five touchdowns, one pick. On attempts of 20 or more air yards in those same circumstances, Brady has five attempts, four completions, two touchdowns, one interception. If you see the Buccaneers in 12 personnel, the deep shot is coming. It's interesting that Washington has, and we're obviously, the, the, the obvious matchup here is, you know, Washington's defense, defensive line against Tampa Bay's offensive line. We're going to get there in a second. The Washington football team is 124 pass defense snaps in quarters, fourth most in the league behind the Browns, 49ers, and Bills. Brady against quarters this season, 59 of 83 for 680 yards, 481 air yards, eight touchdowns, and two interceptions. Is that good? That's pretty good. Pretty good. 
The only quarterback this season with more passing touchdowns against quarters. I have it in the notes, but see if you can guess. Well, I just looked at it. I just saw it. Could, could you believe it? No, I it? couldn't. Lamar Jackson. Swear to God, Sports Info Solutions has it. Nine touchdowns against quarters. Lamar flipping Jackson. So, side note, Titans can't play man against the Ravens because they suck at it, and they can't play quarters because they suck at it. Good luck. Anyway. Yikes. Washington can obviously give Brady his kryptonite. Interior pressure, and I wrote about that. Whether it's scheming it or not, five first-round picks on that defensive line, and they're all – Jonathan Allen. We talk about Chase Young. Jonathan Allen's ridiculous. My God. Uh, this isn't the slam dunk we think it is, though. I have to detail the preposterous on-off numbers with Bucks left guard Ellie Marpet. By the way, neither of Brady's primary guards, Alex Kappa or Ellie Marpet, have allowed a sack this season. They have 37 total pressures between them. Center Ryan Jensen has allowed four sacks and 23 total pressures, but Jensen's most vulnerable games came against the Panthers in Week 10 and the Rams in Week 11 when he had to fill in for Marpet, who was dealing with concussion issues. Now that Marpet is back and healthy, he's able to, I'm just, the numbers are insane. <laughs> per Sports Info Solutions, the Buccaneers EPA improves from minus 0.11 to plus 0.13 when Marpet is on the field. Also with Marpet on the field, Tampa Bay's yards per attempt goes from 6.1 to 8.1. One guard is worth two yards per attempt. The yards per drop back shoots up from 5.5 to 7.6. Passing touchdown rate goes from three point. Now, this is interesting. The Buccaneers are a situation neutral offense in touchdown rate and interception rate with Marpet off the field. When he's on the field, it, the variance is astonishing. So uh, passing touchdown rate goes from 3.7 to 7.1 when he's on the field. The interception rate falls from 3.7% to 1.4. The blowout pressure rate drops from 18.4% to 8.1. I'm going to read that again. The blown block pressure rate with Marpet on the field drops from 18.4% to 8.1, which means without Marpet on the field, they're blowing the block leading to pressure one out of every five snaps. When he's on the field, it's less than one in 10. The blown block sack rate drops from 2.8% to 1.6%. If you think that makes Marpet look like one of the team's most valuable players, you're on the right track. And I, I, I've pointed this out on Twitter, and a couple of you said, well, you know, is that really the thing or is it something else? Like, no, that's really the thing. It, it's, it's crazy to say that a guard can make this much difference. Well, what else was happening? Were they playing better defenses? Like, no, this is the thing. It's Ellie Marpet. That's it. Sorry, yeah. guys. And, and it gets to the Brady kryptonite, which is, you know, it's not just pressure. It's interior pressure. Yep. It's a gap pressure. It's getting Tom Brady uncomfortable. I have two quickly in the down. Tuck. Yeah. And, you know, it's no surprise that Brady would struggle when a guy of this caliber is not in the game because it gets into all of that. And particularly when, you know, you think about those NASCAR packages from the Giants against the Patriots. That was a Patriots offense that was designed to be quick strike, ball out of his hands, timing and rhythm. They're not pushing it downfield. They're not vertical shot plays. This is a different offense. Yeah. And so when Marpet is off the field, it's going to be even more striking that the offense is going to collapse because the pressure, you have deeper drops, slower developing plays, it's going to be a problem. When those A-gaps are protected, Tom Brady can deal with Chase Young off the edge. I know Chase Young wants to see him. He might not because Brady's going to step around him if he's coming around the edge. Well, he's just going to run out. I mean, he's, yeah. not, he's not going to like – he's not boot action. You're not going to see RPOs there. Um, no, but, but <laughs> the ability of Brady to click and climb into the pocket is perhaps unparalleled. I mean, there are some quarterbacks who are good at it. Brady's great at it. Yeah. The problem becomes if you have to click and climb the pocket and you are, you're climbing right into an interior defensive lineman because of a weak A-gap blocking scheme – that's the problem for Brady. With these guys, with this interior line, Marpet, the guard, the center, Jensen, that will hold up. Washington's best shot at wood in this game becomes neutralized. Yep. Uh, was Logan Mankins the left guard in both of those Super Bowls? I believe so. Yeah. Um, and it, I, I've told the story before. The second one, I think it was, was this 46? Yeah, 46. 42 and 46. Uh, 46 was the first Super Bowl I covered in person, Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. So, and I was way up in the 300 level in the press area, which is awesome because you get all 22 right there. Bang. 
I don't think I saw, and the Giants played a ton of too high in that game. I don't think I ever saw their safeties more than 10 yards away from the formation. They had no faith that the Patriots were going to throw deep, which they kind of didn't. Um, Washington is going to have to take a different tack because that deep passing game, especially when they see 12 and you think, oh, 12, they're going to run. Well, A, the Bucks don't run. B, out of 12, that's when they get explosive. So it's, I, Mankins played in Super Bowl 46, started Super Bowl 46 with torn ligaments in both knees. Okay. So, yeah. Who's their center? Who's like their, who were like their interior guys for both? Uh, Yes, I'm trying to remember. I should know this. I'm going to get my Patriots fan card revoked. Uh, you look um, I bring this up. Uh, Buccaneers have two distinct identities on defense. And ask Aaron Rodgers about this because in I mean, week six, Buccaneers-Packers, that was the worst game Aaron Rodgers ever played, and it was all Todd Bowles' fault. Uh, the first identity is one in which Bowles designs multiple fronts, linebackers flowing from all gaps with weird looks and aggressive coverage tied specifically to pressure. That's one. That works. The other is static front, spot drop coverage, and letting Tyreek Hill catch three touchdown passes over Carlton Davis with no safety help. Ugh. Not that Alex Smith is a deep threat at all. I think the red the football team has the third lowest air yards in the NFL this season behind the Patriots and the Jets. But it would be wise for Bulls to go with the former as opposed to the latter, I'm just saying. And I don't understand why, when you have this plan and it works every time, why do you then go to static fronts and spot drop and no safety help against Tyreek freaking Hill? Todd Bowles will wake up this morning and eat his blueberry muffin and like know more about football in those in that minute than I'll ever know, but I don't get it. Dan Conley was the center in Super Bowl oh, okay. 46. He of the infamous, you know, kickoff return. There you go. Yeah. Big man with football. So yeah, um, I think the Bucks take this. I think they take it pretty considerably i mean there, there's a scenario where washington wins this game right where brady struggles they get pressure he makes a couple of mistakes washington gets a couple of short fields the scenario is a 2015 AFC championship when brady was hit 20 times yeah and he couldn't do anything and i was there but for it. It, it, <laughs> uh was it marcus cannon that like Get away from me, telling me to get away from me. I know I sucked, but get away from me. Um, well, Washington wins. Marcus Cannon was not given any help because no. their center, Brian Stork at the time, he, they were going silent count and they never adjusted it. They were working off of his head bob. That was terrible. And it was, and I remember I wrote that season, they had that horrible, you know, the, it was the, the year before, I think, where they had that horrible Kansas City game mm-hmm. on a Monday night the war on to Cincinnati game, Stork was doing it that. I said, this is going to be a problem at some point. And then the next AFC championship game, it was. So Cannon didn't have a, he didn't have a prayer because Vaughn Miller knew the second Stork's head came up, ball was getting snapped. So I, he got a head start. It's like the, uh, the poor unfortunate Seahawks right tackle who gave up all seven of Derek Thomas's sacks in that one game. And they never gave him any chip help. <laughs> yeah. People doing like, uh, you think after the first four, you would maybe, yeah. well, as George Carlin says, some people need practical advice. Speaking of practical advice, Titans at Ravens. Um, and again, this is AFC, so I'm going to lean on you here. But this defense is so far. And this is a lot about Dean Pease, who retired and, you know, they've got kind of a mishmash of defensive coaches right now. But this Titans defense is so far away from the Dean Pease-led defense that made Lamar's head explode in the playoffs last season. It's like the Titans are playing a different sport right now and not in a good way. Um, one thing, and you've written about the Ravens counter bash, really interesting. I'll, I'll point out some stats here. Uh, how much the Ravens have gone from a zone run game to more gap man trap counter power wham, all that stuff. And maybe that's why the Ravens offense was so vanilla earlier in the season, because they were taking a completely different tack. Marshall Leander retires. Ronnie Stanley is out early in the season. So your linemen aren't as athletic. You go counter power trap and just beat people up. Baltimore this year per sports info solutions, when they're pulling at least one offensive lineman, 221 attempts for 1,404 yards, 6.4 yards per attempt, 634 yards after contact, 13 touchdowns, 24 broken tackles, 66 first downs. All of these numbers by far the best in the league. 
Titans against those same concepts this season on defense. 135 attempts for 663 yards, 4.9 yards per attempt, six touchdowns, eight broken tackles, 42 first downs allowed. Uh, there you go. This is going to be like a weird shootout of like run game shootout. It's going to be like cavemen throwing rocks at each other really far. Yeah. I mean, talk about counter bash. Yeah. It, you know, the, the thing with this, and it's one of those things where, you know, the, the evolution of offense is you have a way to make defenses run no matter what you do. Counter bash, bash is short for back away. So you have tackle, usually tackle and guard, sometimes tackle at center, depending on the defensive front. But you have two guys pulling to one side. You have a back potentially running an outside run to the other side. The quarterback and the shotgun is reading the end man on the line of scrimmage to the side where that running back might go. And so he's going to either hand it off if that guy sort of stays home to play the handoff to the running back, or he's going to give it to him. Um, if he gives it to him, um, it's, he's going to give it to him because that guy's going to cheat down and follow the pullers. Um, if that guy stays home, then the quarterback, in this case, Lamar Jackson, is going to keep the football and follow those pullers to the other side. Obviously, when you have two guys pulling, you start talking about the linebackers. They're seeing pullers. They usually vacate. You know, They're going to follow that. And so depending on how it plays out, you could see a scenario where no matter what you do, you're wrong, even if you're perfect. If both the guys follow the pullers, guy stays home, you'll see what you saw in a game against Cleveland where Lamar's going to see that, see the crease that gets created up the middle, and just run up the middle. I mean, it's a way to make you wrong no matter what you do. Um, in the piece I wrote, Cody Alexander, who's a must-follow, he talks about how teams on defense can sort of do what's called cross-keying, where one linebacker looks at the opposite player in the backfield. So a linebacker who's across from the quarterback is actually looking at the running back. He's going to follow him. That's kind of one way the teams have been doing it, to sort of follow what that player does so the linebackers aren't chasing pullers. They're instead keying on guys in the backfield. And I highlighted an example of Tennessee doing that to Baltimore, and they did it right. And men in the line of scrimmage stays home. They cross-key it. Everybody's fit up nice, and Lamar still gets an eight-yard game. So it's like you can be perfect, and it's still going to be an eight-yard game. And that's – when I say Lamar is limited as a thrower, I, I don't mean what that sounds like. You know what I mean. So make yeah. him a runner and, and – yeah make that the fulcrum of the offense interesting trends per football outsiders baltimore's offense uh weeks one through nine offensive dvoa 21st weeks 10 through 17 offensive dvoa sixth passing dvoa has gone from 22nd to sixth baltimore's defense this is where it gets it and injuries play a factor and they're getting some guys back but or and uh baltimore's defense Weeks one through nine, total DVOA fifth. Weeks 10 through 17, total DVOA 18th. Uh, weeks one through nine against a pass, seventh. Weeks 10 through 17 against a pass, 18th. Uh, they've gone from second to 24th against the run. Now, they do get Brandon Williams and Clayus Campbell back. That obviously helps. Um, the Titans really don't have an answer for any of this stuff right now. So if Derrick Henry doesn't go off and Ryan Tannehill doesn't go off, we could all be taking naps by the second half. We could. I mean, Tannehill and Henry could go off too. I mean, there's a there's a similar aspect to the Titans run game that makes you raw no matter what you do. When you're running, you know, gap power out of 12 or 21 personnel, you're creating a lot of extra gaps that defenses have to account for. Um, trying to fit those things up, trying to fit fullback lead, you know, even with your base three, four front, like you might have to get a safety involved in that to fit that right. And when you're asking safeties to be aggressive, to help and run support, what does that open up, Doug? Explosive plays downfield. Ask the Buccaneers, ask yeah. the Titans, ask the Ravens. And so you can see a scenario where they start getting Henry going. Then you get a shot play downfield over the top to AJ Brown, a shot play over the top to Corey Davis. And suddenly, you know, they're scoring points too. Um, so it can happen. I mean, there's a pathway to win. It's just the way these two teams are right now, it does seem like Baltimore should be and is the favorite. The Titans defense, they can't generate pressure. They can't play man. They can't play quarters. They can't really do anything. Um, by yeah. far the worst defense in this particular round of the tournament. 
you've written also about like what throws do the Titans want to force Lamar to make that Lamar can't make? We've talked about middle of the field and that's a, a little less of a problem I've noticed lately. He's kind of shaken himself out of that, but what are the throws if you're Mike Vrabel that you're like trying to get Lamar to make and make those mistakes that he made in the playoffs, which again, that's not this defense. Right. No, it's not this defense. I mean, if you had a dream sort of game plan, you were taking away his first read and you are forcing him to throw deep outbreaking routes. Like you want to show him cover two and force him to throw those hole shots. Like he could do it certainly physically, um, but you want to have to make him make those throws and make him make those throws late in the play. Like, I, I think that's what you've got to do. Um, you know, when you look back at his first, cause th- this is a rematch game, his first throw, against Tennessee earlier in the season. I think it was week 11. Um, he had an in-breaking post route to the left to Des Bryant. It was open. For whatever reason, he doesn't see it. Part of me thinks it was by design because they were trying to hit Snead on this corner route, but he comes to it late, and it should have been picked. Um, Borders, who's on IR right now, is the cornerback that broke that up. Um, he's just reading his eyes and, and getting to it. And, and so I think that's what you want to do. You want to try to force him to make whole shot throws, to the outside, late in the down. Interestingly enough, the Titans – oh, wait, this is passing offense. Pass defense is going to be a lot more hilarious. I'm looking up something. I want to see how much the Titans played man against the Ravens in week 11 so we can all have a good laugh. That should be good. Uh, they only played man seven times. Uh, Lamar completed four of six passes for 28 yards. Yeah, don't, so don't play man if you can't play man. And don't play man against Lamar Jackson ever. Yeah, well, because, th- I mean, that's the other thing. Like, that that goes back to, you know, Super Bowl 16 with the Dolphins against Miami with Joe Montana. They played way too much man. And every, I still remember that NFL films, like Super Bowl thing of they had this great video in slow motion of, you know, Montana dropping back you see the defensive back like running away from him, covered in man coverage. So Montana hits his drop and just immediately pulls the ball down and starts running. And he gets like 15, 20 yards downfield before that guy even turns around. Like, That's the Green Bay Packers when they played man twice against Colin Kaepernick and gave up like 12,000. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, look, the Jaguars Patriots super uh, AFC championship game. Like anytime Bortles saw a man, he wouldn't even finish his drop. He's just like, forget it, I'm going. You got to keep know, eyes on your quarterback. Successful RPO game in the first half, and then they just scrapped it. I, I I still don't understand what they did in the second half of that game, but thank you for doing so. Yeah. Um, you want to keep eyes on Lamar Jackson. You want to force him to make some late throws. So you want to play a lot more zone coverage. Um, yeah, they've been bad, and he's been great against quarter. So maybe not cover four, um, but you want to keep eyes on him. I think if I'm Mike Vrabel, I'm calling up Dean Pease this week. And, you know, Dean, can I get you away from the fishing or the whatever for a couple hours? Okay, what did you do? Because it, was, it yeah. was kind of the middle of the season plan against Josh Allen this year, which was late coverage switches, take away the first read, as you said. But, um, you know, don't leave things open. Force Lamar to process late in the down. Yeah. That's kind of the, the weakness right now. Maybe I would like to think that it won't be a weakness for Lamar's entire career. He's still a young quarterback. That's kind of where it is now. Um, if I'm Mike Vrabel, I'm <laughs> sending Dean Pease a whole bunch of gift certificates or whatever. Uh, can you come back and kind of tell us what we did? Because we don't do it anymore. Yeah. I mean, at least you'd hope that that game plan is on a shelf somewhere they could find. Oh, well, game pass game. is what, 100 bucks a year? Yeah. That's true. You got your, I mean, they've got their systems and whatever, but we'll see. Uh, it does not look good for the Titans. I'll just say no. that. And of course, now that I say that, they'll win by 25 points. Exactly, because that's how this works. Because that's how this works. Bears at Saints. Um, I wrote about how uh, Matt Nagy and offensive coordinator Bill Lazor have probably saved their jobs and it was a really good – and Trubisky has said, you know, why weren't we doing this earlier? I'm like, well, you're Mitchell Trubisky. Why don't you shut up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're – whatever. Uh, over the last five weeks, the Bears have turned Trubisky into an above-average starter. Um, as I said in the piece I wrote, scheming him for pseudo-greatness. Four elements. Boot action, no huddle, the RPO game, 
and receiver bunches out of compressed formations. You go back to week eight when it Foles was a quarterback and the Saints eked out a 26 to 23 win. One of Nick Foles' two touchdowns, they're running trips right. And the Saints play more man than any other defense. And it was trips right against man in the red zone. And the Saints were completely discombobulated. They didn't know who to put where against who or whom. And, you know, so if I'm in the, uh, you know, we go back to McVeigh, uh, you know, receiver bunches and those route con combinations out of compressed formations. Well, what does compressed formations do? It gives you more room on the outside and you can expand your routes that way. But again, boot action, huge, no huddle, huge, the RPO game, huge receiver bunches out of compressed formations. What do those four things have in common? Trubisky doesn't have to think. He just has to yeah. throw. Yeah. I mean, anybody that's sort of seen Trubisky over the course of his career arc here knows that the more he thinks, the more you're in trouble. Um, you've got to sort of treat him, you know, and this sounds almost, you know, derisive in a way, but you got to treat him like a high school quarterback. Like, don't make him have to make reads. Like, that's okay. Let him just that that's low. I mean, and so that's what you have to do. I mean, you got to run this, you know, the, the points you mentioned, I mean, those are the things that have worked. Um, the problem is like a lot of those games came against Houston, Jacksonville, Minnesota, like bad defenses. Yep. Um, you saw last week, you know, a little bit of the shine came off against green Bay. Now you get a defense that is very good um, in the new Orleans saints. So Top three I, defense. I, I, I don't see a way Chicago wins this game absent sort of the Washington that we talked about where you get some mistakes, some turnovers. Drew Brees suddenly looks more like the quarterback we saw on Christmas Day. Um, and Khalil Mack just goes insane. Like, and that could happen. But absent that, I'm, Mitchell Trubisky is not winning this game on his shoulders. Let's put it that way. No, he's <laughs> like most Bears quarterbacks. He would be dragged kicking and screaming to the victory. Uh, right. Well, here's one way the Bears can succeed. Target Marshawn Lattimore, who went to the Pro Bowl. Um, Interesting. Seven touchdowns allowed, two interceptions, opponent pass rating of 103.3. Against the Bears, he gave up eight catches on 13 targets for 96 yards. Excuse me, a touchdown and an interception against the Bears on a throw from Foles to Jimmy Graham, in which Foles underthrew the ball in about five different ways. It was really impressive. Multidimensional overthrow. Um so that's one thing. And thank you uh, for the, <laughs> the 1998 Raiders playbook. I love how that thing was like on a dot matrix printer. I know, like, right? It was awesome. it's ancient, but yeah. They're actually typing stuff out at that point, but HB choice. And halfback choice is a West Coast staple going back to Bill Walsh. Back when he was running the Midwest, West Coast offense with the, the Bengals. And HB choice or halfback choice is running back flares out in the passing game he's reading the edge rusher the in this case the weak side linebacker um and the free safety i want to get the name of the play right so give me a second here but anyway as i'm i'll, I'll speak as i'm saying that so this is a three-way go option route for the running back which is interesting because even you know the best slot receivers most of their option routes are two-way goes Right. This is a three-way go. And Alvin Kamara, in week eight, uh, Michael Thomas was out. He could be back, by the way, for this game. And if they can line up uh, Kamara and Thomas on the same side against the Bears yeah. defense, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Uh, we haven't even talked about the fact that the Bears defense has fallen off a cliff and out of the back of a truck into a dumpster fire uh, they get run over by a train. Run over by a train. Yeah. Really bad. I don't know what the hell these people are doing in coverage. It's it's just horrid. So the play I got from the playbook is red right 22 scat HP choice. Um, the running back in this case flattens out his route. And you can see this play um, on touchdown where I don't you know. We'll put all this in the, in the rundown when we get it. So depending on what the edge rusher is doing, the weak side backer, and, and this is when they were, you know, had three linebacker in 1998 and then the free safety, he could run an out, he runs an angle and then up, like it could be a Texas route. He could cut back in. He could run an out. He could run more of a slant up field. 
So that's a three-way go. You look at this, it was the 47-yard reception against the Bears where Kamara runs virtually the same concept. And so Tayshawn Gibson and Khalil Mack are running outside like, okay, you're going to run a wheel. And that doesn't happen. So then for, I don't know, have you seen this play? Roquan Smith peels off to cover tight end Jared Cook to the other side. And you talk about middle of the field open. Yeah. I don't even know what the hell they're doing here because Kamara just, it's like, okay, I don't even have to do a three-way go. I can just run a stinking Texas route and it's ball game. So even if Michael Thomas is limited, the bears don't really have a way to cover Alvin Kamara in these situations. And this is a fascinating quote from Bruce Arians who had the saints the next week. And he was being interviewed about Kamara and the, the saints offense. This is what Arian said of Kamara week nine. He said, I coached Marshall Falk. This guy's scarier. Think about that. Yeah. Arians coached Falk in Indianapolis in 98 when he was a Colts quarterbacks coach. So the same year that playbook happened, you know, the, the red, right, 22 scat HB choice. And now all these years later, here's Kamara running the same thing. And uh, Arian said of Kamara, he's got great speed. He's got great hands, wide receiver skills, hell of a running back, tough tackle. Um, yeah. So even without Thomas, I don't know how the bears cover a choice. And I'm, I'm looking at this play now. Like they, hilarious. I mean, what, what WTF? Well, they blitz to because they blitz to the three receiver side, right? So Roquan has to match number three to that side. Yes, so, yes. so I get that. I mean, I, I, when I say WTF, I get that you're matching three, but why? Well, the better part of this is to help combat against that. They drop Khalil Mack into coverage. Yeah, which is stop. And they not only they drop Mac into coverage, they drop Tayshawn Gibson to the same area where Mac is. Yeah. So you could bring if you're going to do that. I mean, whatever. Um, you know, bring Mac over on a, a, a an exchange, or bring Gibson down to that level where you can you know knock the crap out of Kamara on the Texas route. But it, it's just like what? What are you doing? That's yeah, not even I, coverage. I think those guys are all doing what they were told to do. I think that's I, I, yeah. I mean, I think they were trying to do some sort of like in and out bracket on Kamara with Gibson and Mac because they think he. I mean, do they think he's running wheel? Because that's what it looks like. Yeah, I mean, Gibson's trying to stay over the top of that, making sure he's running wheel. They're trying to play him sort of inside out, but Mac, you shouldn't be asking Khalil Mac to play in space like this anyway. No, he's just unfamiliar with it, so he gets to the outside too, which just gives Kamara. Like you said, this is a this is just middle field open. This is a part of the Red Sea. Plus, if Kamara, if Mac is rushing to that side, that may take Kamara out of that play as a receiver because he Mac might have to stay in. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think Chuck Pagano, I love you, but I've been asking this all year. What the hell are the Bears doing? I mean, there are a lot of Bears fans that anticipate if anybody gets fired, it's Pagano. Um, Which I hate to say because we all know his story and, and right, but I think I. I think you touched on something that would be smart for Chicago, which is just call blitzes in the huddle, but make sure that they can be checked and blitz to the Kamara side of the field and drop away from him or just force him to stay in protection or pre-snap wherever Kamara goes, Matt goes. Yeah, that too. You force, and, and of course, Sean Payton will, especially if Thomas is back, Sean Payton will counter that by moving Kamara into the slot or outside right yeah but you know if i'm mac and and then okay now you've got your back out to that side and i'm khalil mac and the saints offensive line is awesome especially if mac is going against toronto armstead or ramsh i mean either either tackle either one yeah um that's you know that that's strength against strength but maybe yeah the mess of those protection rules force Kamara to stay in the backfield a little bit more or they run two back or, you know, Peyton would use that as an excuse to get Taysom Hill on the field because he's the best blocking back of all Don't time. give him an excuse to do that. You no, know, we ought to throw up. Um, yeah. yeah, but that's, that's yeah, I, I think the Saints, uh, they have the advantage, but um, yeah, interesting things there. Browns at Steelers. Uh, 
Browns have seven starters, their head coach, and most of their coaching staff on the COVID list. Joel Batonio's out. Here comes Cam Hayward. You think yeah. they're going to line Cam Hayward up against uh, Wyatt Teller? No. They're going to no. line him up against the, the Browns' four-string guard because I think the other two guys are also out. The interim head coach is a guy who, when he was on the Viking staff, reportedly said that we should, quote-unquote, nuke all the gays. Alex Van Pelt is calling the plays. I would expect Van Pelt to call a crap ton of passes because this is renewed big man downfield against what may be the worst deep safety group in the NFL. They have no deep third safeties. No. How do the Browns win this? I, I don't know. Um, I, I think you have to sort of stick to your game plan of run the ball, get Chubb involved, get Hunt involved, um, you know, condensed formations, play action shot plays out of 12 and 13 personnel. Um, it, it's a tough path for them. Um, thankfully, look, this is a team that you've seen twice before. Um, you just played them, so the game plan's pretty much installed. Yeah, they, saw once, a, they saw them once before, because week 17, the Steelers yeah. were coming, you know, I, I think I was playing defensive tackle and you were playing safety, or was it? Yeah. The- no, I mean, and, and then look, when, when, when Pittsburgh has the ball, like, the Browns have bad safety play. Horrible. Um, and, and we well, talked. So. I don't want to, you know, uh, Joseph and the other guys at Sandejo, they're, they are what they are. They're all strong safeties. They're all underneath guys. They're all hybrid right. linebacker guys. Um, if you want to make Carl Joseph your hybrid linebacker in a nickel or dime, if he was in Green Bay, that's what Mike Pettin would do with him. He'd be great. But they're they're trying to make these guys all deep safety because they don't have them. And, yeah, and they're they're busting in cover three, they're busting in cover four, they're busting in man, like they're just busting left and right. You know, we much it sucks that this team hasn't been to the postseason since two thousand two. I know, and this we're is what they're getting. Matrix printers printing out playbooks and. Yeah. This is what they're up against now. Yeah, it's it's a bad situation all around. Um, but I, I think the, the best way that Cleveland can win is um, stick to the game plan. If everything goes right or um, – yeah, it's going to be tough. I would like to know – I'm look, looking this up. How much – have you – because obviously it's 12. Obviously, Have you seen the Browns play any empty, like – one step drop or three step drop and empty and, and get the quick read and get the five to eight yards and just keep doing that. I haven't seen a ton of it. They've done some, um, they did some of week 17 where I saw them go a little bit of empty. Um, That's, you know, that might, I would incorporate that because it also gives Baker an easy read and also puts Kareem hunt in the receiver formation. Yeah. Which is kind of where you want him. Yeah. Or they could be like the 1970s Cowboys and just run you know, a ton of pro set, two running backs, and do all that stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't give the Browns much of a chance here. and it, it's, it's just too bad. In a season where there's been so many COVID issues, uh, certainly the Steelers have had multiple teams with COVID issues move their games. They're not going to move this game. It's just, you know, <laughs> we're kind of still are. We are where we are on that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, any more thoughts? No, I mean, I, I'm excited for this weekend, six games. I think they should be good. It's a shame that the Browns are where they're at, right, with this COVID situation. But, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a good weekend of games. I'm excited. Yeah. Three on Saturday, three on Sunday. It's just it's, – it's, A lot of people have said, look, divisional round weekend is the best weekend of the season. I think this has the potential to sort of top that with six games, three and three pair of primetime games. I think that's kind of fun. Yeah. All right, man. Great stuff as always. Uh, And we'll have this up in a few. Again, uh, happy new year to everyone. I know things have been rough. Um, You know, well, just keep pounding on and hope for better things very soon. Here, here. All right, Mark, take care, man. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. You too, my friend. Be well.